Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Mike number one, Mike number one, are we on, are we live? I am here, I am in the front room. Change of venue, constantly innovating. I hope you appreciate it. Uh, got the background, got the logo. It's not, um, you know, this has all been thought through. This hasn't just been thrown together, it's all been thought through. And um, yeah, so I've got, my, what is it? What do you mean, what is this? This is, a, a live, it's a live Q&A with plastic surgeon JJ Stiano, all right, right here. That's what this is. That's what's happening here, guys, in case you know. Huh? What do you, what do you mean, when does it happen? It happens every Tuesday at 7 p.m., obviously. Um, and what you got to do is this. Well, is this. Oh, please comment and share. So I'm hoping the microphone. I'm on a. I'm on a. Um, I'm on a new. Com well, not. I'm actually on an old computer here. So I'm hoping everything's going to be all right. Here's hoping. Um, so I uh, got myself some questions here, and um, if you have any question, then please feel free to ask them while I'm here, or later. You can do it later, and we'll do it next week. Um, but you know, I'm here now, so you can ask them here now. And the other thing you can do is if you've got a poll, now we tried a poll last week. You know, we did get some answers, no question about that. We did get some answers, uh, I say we. Um, but it was a bit niche in hindsight, I've reflected on it, it was, because you had to have a hysterectomy and a tummy tuck in order to vote on it. So maybe I need to think of some polls which have got a bit more of a, a, a wider appeal. So if you've got any questions that rely on a poll, let me know, because I've got a poll feature on this software. I've also got feature to put your photos on it, and I've also got a feature for you to join me, split screen. So, you know, all more cons here, all more cons. Um, Oh, hello, we've got Jan's in the house. <laughs> oh, this is good. Jan's commented, and there's also, um, I mean, there's a, there's a question there. Is it, is it Rocky? Is this Rocky? So, um, it's all good. It's all good. No technical problems whatsoever. None. Um, technical problems, no, nothing. So I can see everything that's happening here. And this, so, right. What I'm going to say is that there's a question here and I'm just going to put it up because I'm just going to put this question up here. It says, uh, the causes of gynecomastia in adolescence and when to consider surgery. So uh, we've had a couple of patients who are of a younger persuasion um, here. Um, and there has been a question about when to do surgery 
And this obviously is talking about gynecomastia, but you could open it up to all cosmetic surgery uh, because there is a bit of a thing about cosmetic surgery in younger people because, and this all stems, and from a plastic surgery point of view, um, well, basically it stems from the, the perception that cosmetic surgery is putting enormous big breast implants into people who've got big boobs already or, you know, basically doing unnecessary things. But that is not what cosmetic surgery is about. And um, that cosmetic surgery is about restoring uh, people to a better place and is not about um, making them look weird or um, strange. And the classic example, certainly from a so a plastic surgery point of view is something like a cleft lip, which is a cosmetic problem, um, and you'd have no problem doing it on a, on a baby, or prominent ears, uh, which again is a cosmetic problem, but we often do that on children who are six, seven years old. Um, so there is a, a precedent for cosmetic procedures to be done on younger people. The main reason from a surgical point of view that you wouldn't want to do, and moles, for instance, and birthmarks, and um, scar revisions, things like that, you, you might uh, consider doing on a younger person. The, the main thing, uh, particularly about gynecomastia, and also this also involves uh, breast uh, surgery in females, is that when things are changing, you don't really want to um, uh, operate on them. Uh, and so as breasts are developing in, in the female, uh, then you wouldn't tend to operate on it. But also, um, it's rock so I can just see my, sorry, I've just seen the, um, the, the, the comments have been hidden until now. Um, but also, the thing about gynecomastia is that there are different reasons for having gynecomastia, different causes for gynecomastia. And one of the causes of gynecomastia is pubertal gynecomastia. The hormone, it's, it can be due to the hormone imbalance of testosterone and estrogen, and you can get it pubertal, or you can get it senile when you're older, uh, when the balance of uh, estrogen to testosterone is, um, is altered. And so because you can get it uh, in a, uh, during puberty, uh, it would be uh, not unreasonable to wait until puberty is finished because uh, it, there is a chance that the uh, gynecomastia might improve. So uh, the, that is one reason to do it. The other reason is also not only um, can the gynecomastia be worse, but also the weight you can get um, put, put weight on during puberty. And if, you, if your weight is unstable, um, it's always best to have be a stable weight before having gynecomastia treatment because, um, it, again, it might improve. Um, so what a weight gain diet. Sorry, I'm on a... I'm thought... Sorry, I'm a bit of a rocky... It's on a rocky platform. Let's, let's, let's stabilize it. I'm going to stabilize the ship. Don't worry, I'm stabilizing the ship. Uh, weight gain, NHS referral from GP, what is discussed during consultation? Yeah, so it's not unreasonable. We often get referrals from the GP, um, and you may get referred to the NHS, um, who might be able to help you. I have heard of the NHS helping people. When I was in the NHS, it wouldn't help gynecomastia, but I have heard some patients say that it can help. Psychological aspects, obviously, for younger people, well, it's a, it's a psychological aspect for all ages. Uh, we have a psychological support here, and we have a psychologist that we send patients to for support. Um, exercise may help, yes. Upper body exercise may help improve the definition of the pectoralis muscle. Often people with gynecomastia have very, uh, are very body conscious by definition, and they have very good 
a definition of their muscles, but they can't get that definition to show through because they've got that tissue over the top of the muscle. And so that's why they're seeking treatment. What's always ki oh, kicking off in the chat? It's kicking off and I've neglected it. Oh, God. Right, it's all kicking off. Uh, good evening, JJ. Hi, Debbie. Emma, bingo wings and inner thighs. Can you get rid of them with weight training at the gym or is it just surgery and you need a shave? Lol, looking a bit rough this week. Oh, rude. Rude. Huh? You know what? That's a bit. I, I, I have actually shaved, but I just shaved a little bit here and a little bit here. I haven't gone that deep. It's a bit of a fuller beard than normal. I've gone, I go deeper sometimes, a bit more George Michael before, um, but this is a bit of a fuller beard, a bit of a macho look. Um, so not sure about the roughness, Emma. It's macho we're going for, okay. Um, but uh, that aside, um, bingo wings and inner thighs, classic examples, Emma, of areas that don't really help with weight training at the gym. And I'm not just saying that. You probably think he's just saying that because he wants all the work. He doesn't. Well, he does. He wants work, but he doesn't want to do work if it would get better. I tell you, Emma, I would tell you if it get better. But um, the, it's good to do training at the gym. It is good to be fit. It's good to be healthy. It's good to be at a good weight. But it's not going to help your bingo wings and your inner thigh because your bingo wings and your inner thighs are there because the skin has been stretched, usually because people have, have lost weight. So it's usually people who put on weight and then lost weight. The weight has gone, which is fantastic and great, and carry on going to the gym to lose the weight. But the skin remains, and the skin hangs on the skin uh, on the on the arms, and it hangs on the thighs, and that doesn't get better with weight training. So you may well still need surgery, but it is good to do weight training and to be fit and to be healthy because you're going to maximise your chances of um, wound healing or what have you if you can get fit and healthy. But I'm sorry to say it may not probably won't make your oh god i haven't got your question up come on amateur it probably won't make your um am i laggy am i laggy tonight it won't make your bingo wings or your thighs better emma uh debbie says it's rocking thank you it's rocking tonight thank you that's very kind of you to say that um yan hi i would like to know your opinion god that's totally blitzed me out on how, uh, on how to help on upper abdomen fat after an fdl FDL, get in. That's a flirtily tummy tuck for those of you who don't know, which is an in, sort of inverted T-shaped scar. I'm seven months post-op, but have a handful of upper abdominal fat, not loose skin. I am in healthy BMI and have not gained weight since surgery. And exercise isn't touching it. Um, shocked emoji, is that? Um, would, li would lipo or Aqualix help without ruining my FDL results? Yes. Don't know much about... Oh, hello. Hello. Sorry. Sorry. Hello. It's a big comment that, so I'm going to get above the, above the comment. Um, yes. Uh, classic case of um, liposuction helping this one, Jan. Uh, so after tummy tuck, then, uh, then uh, fullness in the upper abdomen, if it's still there, firstly, you flirtily, so flirtily, you probably lost a lot of weight. Um, and then I don't know much about Aqualix, not got no experience of Aqualix, but um, removing the fat would be the way to do it. And liposuction would be a good option for that, to that sort of top bit um, after a flirtily tummy tuck. So, yes, that's a nice one on the uh, weight loss. And seven months post-op, yeah, you should be good sort of time to think about doing um, 
liposuction. Yeah, Jan, I think liposuction would be a good one for that. Oh, Jan's back in with a smaller comment now. Okay, get that down again. Oh. All right. Um, also, I'd like your opinion, where is it, on doing sit-ups after surgery from three months post-op and onwards, please. Uh, good co question, that, uh, Jan. Uh, my comment on that, and I've got to say, I've got a new, I've got to say, Jan. Sorry, let me try and get this a bit quicker. Disclaimer, where is it? Disclaimer. This is, <laughs> you see, I've put a lot of us, I've done this before I came here on. This is my personal opinion only and is no substitute for an in-person consultation, <laughs> right? Disclaimer, this is just my personal opinion. Um, I, actually, I should, should, shouldn't say, I should say an in-person consultation slash with, with your sir or with a surgeon or with your surgeon. So uh, this is just my personal opinion, Jan. But what I tell people is um, around three months, to be honest with you, around six weeks, I tell people that they can start getting back into stuff. But you've had a fleur lease, that's quite a big thing. So maybe three months is good. But basically, after a couple of months, you can start getting back into things. Now, you might make it swell. It might be a bit uncomfortable. So I say, listen to your body. If your body says that hurts, that swells, that's uncomfortable, back off. Don't uh, do it. But certainly, you can start doing exercise, start doing exercise after about, a uh, couple of months. Sit-ups is quite sort of extreme because if, especially if you have muscle repair, sit-ups is quite, um, uh, is gonna put a lot of attention on it. So I, you know, a lot of this stuff, people say, when can I start doing stuff? I say, listen to your body. To be honest with you, Jan, I would start doing other exercises before sit-ups, but see how you go. Three months, you know, things should be pretty well healed at this stage and you might find that you're all right doing sit-ups. Um, but you might find that it really hurts and if it really listen to your body if it really hurts back off if it swells back off you might have a binder so it's probably good to wear the binder um but you know i think you might be pushing it a bit for three months doing sit-ups i think you know doing exercise would be okay because sit-ups is really going for it with that area um but if it if it doesn't hurt and if you're okay then carry on but if you know start gently like anything and if it's okay then and carry on but i would start with sort of softer exercises already but you might be doing that already you know stuff like the exercise bike you know stuff that doesn't put attention on your on your core um the stepper you know not too much of the arms you know things like that another gym paraphernalia that i'm not really familiar with the answer is macho's good so there you go um thank you thank you uh for that uh a little bit scruffy still handsome emma thank you steady on steady on calm down Inner thigh, so Jade says, inner thigh surgery, is there just the one option when it comes to scars? The longs, the vertical scars down the inner thigh, Jade. It's quite a big comment, isn't it? Get over the top of that comment. Um, no, Jade, I think you knew that's a leading, that's what we call a leading question. You know there is one, no, there's more options. There's two options really for inner thigh surgery, Jade. One, which is that long scar down the inner thigh. And the other is a scar hidden up in your groin crease. Up here, up here. Oh, God, it's probably best that I don't demonstrate that. Really, think about. It. Is it me or is it rays of light? I probably haven't really. Having said that, I thought this through. I probably haven't, could have done better. Could I have done better with the background? 
Well, anyway, so um, Jade. Uh, yeah, so there is two options. Uh, one is the, the, the uh, much smaller incision in your groin. And it's much, it's, well, there's pros and cons of both of them. And this is, if I could, I'll put that disclaimer back on, you know, this is my personal and all that sort of stuff. But basically, there's pros and cons of both. And, oh, it's gone to the bin. Um, and um, so the, the one up in the groin, so not the one you're talking about, which big long scar down the medial, uh, down the, the inner aspect of the thigh, one up in the groin is good because it's a smaller scar, it's hidden in your groin, you can't see it, it's hidden in a bikini and all sorts of things, can't see the scar at all, fantastic, what's not to like. The bad thing about that one is because it's a smaller scar, there's less of a lift because less skin is removed. Basically, with any sort of body contouring surgery, you're often removing skin, and you often want a lot of skin removed, but lo not much scarring. That's what everybody wants. Loads of skin removed, no scarring. Those two things don't do it together. The more skin you remove, the more scarring you get. So you can't remove quite as much skin. But the other really important thing about that one, where it's hidden up in your groin crease, is the vector of pull is an upward vector of pull. It's pulling the skin up. And often in people who have a lot of laxity in their thigh, the, la the laxity is in a radial dimension, is a circumferential dimension. If you if they demonstrated to you what they wanted done, they pinch their medial thigh like that, like that. They pinch the skin. Like, like that. Pinch the skin like that. Um, and it doesn't do that. It uh, it's a lag. Well, you wouldn't know if there's a lag, I guess, because. Um, so that's what they do. They pinch the skin. So um, it it when you do it in your in your groin, you're pulling the skin up rather than cinching the skin down side to side. So it's it's not as an effective uh, surgery. And also, whilst the skin is hidden up in the groin, it's a naturally hot and sweaty area. And so there's risks that the um, wound might not heal up properly, and the um, and uh, you can get wound healing problems and infections and delayed healing. So you can get uh, issues with it. Now, the other way where you do that big scar down, scar down your inner thigh is a much more obvious scar. So people often say, I hate my thighs. I can't wear short skirts. I can't wear shorts. I don't, can't go out in public. Now, if we give you a big, uh, big scar down the inner aspect of your thigh, you might still not be comfortable going out in public and wearing shorts and swimsuits. So that is the problem with that one but it does give you a much more effective thigh lift it does tighten the skin much more effectively uh, and it has that benefit for me and in my experience i think the one where you give a big scar down the inner thigh is the best way to do it because the other one although it is a um less less of a scar hidden scar it's not a good lift and so it's a risk of not being happy with the result it's no good giving less of a scar if you haven't got, if you're giving less of a result is it you know you just have no scar at all obviously you have no result but you know balance all about balance pros and cons so here we go denise is back in the uk are you good to have you back denise hope you had a nice holiday if you have the surgery for the bingo wings will it get rid of the wrinkles too yes so uh the the, the yes the the, the 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 skin will be tighter uh the whole uh, so the surgery for the bingo wings is basically the same as that thigh lift surgery. Big long scar down here, same with the so equivalent of the big long scar on the thigh, and it pinches that skin and tightens that skin. 
So yes, it will get rid of that wrinkly uh, skin and it'll tighten that skin. But you still got to be careful and you still got to look after yourself and you've got to look after your skin. And when I say look after your skin, what I'm saying is sun exposure. Sorry, getting suntans and stuff damages the skin. Smoking, not good for the skin. So you can get, you know, problems with laxity in the skin later on, but it is, it will get rid of that skin and tighten the residual skin. Laura's in the house. Good to see you, Laura. How are you this evening? Laura's wondering how soon you can fly after a tummy tuck and what do you think about surgery abroad? Well, good questions there. <laughs> this is, I mean, these are like people that I've put, I've put there to ask these questions, uh, which I haven't, by the way. Um, Laura, I'm sure, can vouch for me on that. Um, how can you fly after a Well, the, how soon can you fly after a tummy tuck? Well, you can fly immediately after a tummy tuck. They're not going to stop you at passport control and say, wait a minute, you've um, had a tummy tuck. You're, you're not allowed on the plane. So you can, you know, get on a plane and fly. Uh, but it's not great. It's not great to have surgery too close. Uh, sorry, have uh, to fly too close to surgery. First of all, you're going to potentially have um, you're going to have a wound. You're going to potentially have wound problem, wound healing problems. Um, and so, if you have any wound healing problems, like for instance, if someone was having surgery here and they say I'm going on holiday next week to recuperate or something like that, I would say it's probably best not to do that because if you get any infection, a bit of redness, a bit of a problem with the wound, and you give us a ring and we say pop in and we'll have a look at it, and you'll say, well, I'm in Marbella, we'd be like, oh, that's not great. Um, so I would say wait at least two to three weeks to get those wounds healed. Also, when you have a tummy tuck, one big risk of a tummy tuck is DVT, clots in your legs that can fly up into your lungs, and that is a big risk. And so uh, that is increased when you fly, economy class syndrome, you know, clots in your legs. So you're multiplying up your risks of DVT, um, and so you've got to be careful about that. Usher's wife, you know, Usher the singer, she had a, TVT, a DVT, I think she went to Brazil for surgery, uh, soon after being pregnant, so she's just been pregnant, so that's another risk for DVT. So she was multiplying up her risks for DVT. So you don't really want to multiply your risks. So I'd say uh, specific, so two to three weeks ideally for the DVT and the wound healing thing. But even after two to three weeks, you're still going to be uncomfortable. Um, and it depends on which way around you're thinking about it. So if you're sort of here and thinking of recuperating for cert or going on holiday, I would say you want to wait at least six weeks because you're still going to be uncomfortable, probably a couple of months because you're not going to enjoy your holiday much because it's going to be uncomfortable because you're still going to be a bit sore. You're not going to really want to carry your bags and you're not going to really and you know i would say if you're going to go on holiday you want to enjoy it so i would wait at least six weeks you know maybe a couple of months um if you're talking about the other way like saying i'm going to have surgery abroad uh and then i want to come back home again then um yeah i guess two to three weeks would be sort of like the minimum but you have to be careful on the flight with keeping moving where those stockings you know those dead stockings what do i think about surgery abroad well it's an interesting one. It's something I thought about recently. I saw a patient the other day who'd had surgery abroad, and she had a great result and was really happy with it. Um, and the fact is, I'm sure a lot of people have surgery abroad. And have, well, they must do because it's such a popular thing. Um, and I understand why people do it because it's a lot cheaper, and you know, and that's a good thing. Um, I normally advise against it, to be honest with you, Laura, because um, a couple of reasons. First of all, if you have a problem, if you have a niggle, if you're not worried, happy about something. You know, you often have sort of restricted access to your surgeon. Uh, you can't go and see your surgeon. So you have to find out how you can talk to your surgeon afterwards, um, you know, ideally in person. You want to see them and say, look, how would you think of this scar? Would you think of this redness or whatever? This dog ear, this problem. If you need further surgeries, you need to go abroad again. Um, also, the, the training of the surgery is variable. Uh, training of surgeons, sorry, is variable across the world. Throughout the world, they train to different degrees. So it's hard to know 
what sort of training or what sort of level of training they've got. It's hard enough as it is in this country, but at least we've got a set training where you can say, look, if someone's got their training, FRCS Plast, they're fully trained in plastic surgery in the UK, we know they're trained to a certain standard. Training in the rest of the world is trained to different standards. It's not to say there's not good surgeons there. There are good surgeons everywhere in the world, but it's just hard to know what level of training there is in Prague or Turkey or Cuba or wherever else you would go abroad for surgery. So it's just, uh, that makes it a bit more difficult. And finally, the other thing is the um, indemnity. So uh, we, we have to be insured and we have to, all our facilities are regulated by the CQC, the Care Quality Commission, uh, to ensure that there's infection control and uh, levels of cleanliness and, uh, and uh, sterility are maintained. And again, it's hard to, I'm not saying they're not controlled abroad, but it's hard to know. I wouldn't say I wouldn't know what to say to you to look out for abroad because I don't know what sort of uh, bodies they have looking into these. I don't know what sort of indemnity insurance these doctors will have. You know, in any UK uh, private hospital like Spire, BMI, and what have you, you have to have a minimum five or ten million pounds indemnity in order to practice at the hospitals. So you're sort of covered. If you go to the hospital, you don't even have to ask the question because. The surgeons can't work there unless they're covered to that level of indemnity, and they the, the hospitals are all inspected by the CQC uh, to ensure certain levels of policies, procedures are followed, and they look after patients properly. So you're sort of covered in this country because that happens without you even have to ask about it. Whether you are or not abroad, I don't know because it's different in different countries. Um, so my view is that, but it's like anything, if you think you're having something done, look for people do your research and if you think it looks good then you have to do the right thing for yourself and it's just a shame really that it is so ex uh, so expensive in this country because i think it is a shame that uh, people actually go abroad but i can understand why they do because it is i think a lot cheaper i, I don't know a lot cheaper abroad but you've got to ask why we well, just have asked why <laughs> that's why right so Gemma graham says yes Good on you. I agree with you. Debbie, the screen was rocking, but it's okay now. And the chat's good as well. Yes. Go, De Right. Debbie's on. Jan's straight in. You're funny. Sorry for the long post. Five stone weight loss. Well done, you. Nothing to apologize about. Um, happy to have long posts and short posts. Laura, I'm wondering how soon you can fly off the tummy surgery, and what do you think about surgery in other countries? Hold on a minute, Laura. Isn't that a rephrased question of what you said a minute ago? Hey, trying to get in there with duplicate questions. Can't get past me. I'm not going to answer there. Just refer to my comments earlier. Debbie, you need to be higher your chair so we can see you over the comments. You know what, Debbie? I've also got another option is that I bend my screen. How's that? Actually, I should have thought that before. Just bend the screen. Here to hear about slipping rib. All right, Sarah, calm down. We've got slipping rib. Slipping ribs in the in the in the, in the questions oh sarah's up for a bit of slipping rib action later on i'm wondering how soon you can fly and what wait a minute how you and what is your opinion of the safety of surgery in other countries like turkey and other countries laura i do love the comments and i do always support everyone's putting comments and to be honest with you duplicate comments is fine but yeah refer to the art earlier have you just got it it's written differently every time but laura thank you for the comments and uh, I think we've extensively covered that. Jan, thank you for asking the question. So thank you. We thank each other. Laura, she can confirm that. 
Not sure. What can you confirm? That you've asked the question three times. I can also confirm that you've asked the question three times. Laura, I can confirm that. Roxana says hello. It's all kicking off in the chat here. I know the slipping rib's coming up, you know, guys. Don't worry. There is a slipping rib. We are going to be talking about slipping rib later on. Do not worry. Emma, would an arm, would an, would a arm lift be able to get rid of the skin in the lower armpit where your bra is so have that bit of skin hanging over and I fly back on day 10 with compression garments and stop and socks. Well, it sounds like it's a fait accompli, Emma. So I'm not going to say anything bad then. Well, that'll be fine, Emma. You'll be absolutely fine. Good on you. Um, no, uh, Emma. An arm lift stops in the armpit. A, a, a sort of standard arm lift stops in the armpit. You're talking about the extra skin over the bra, hanging over the bra. That would have to that would have to be addressed. You could extend the arm lift to address that, but that would be a bigger operation to get into that bit of um, sort of lateral chest. Then that bit that goes over your bra with the skin hanging over. So that would be a different, uh, or, or not necessarily different. That would be an extension of that procedure. But that wouldn't. Is my mic? Am I mic's up all right? Am I right on the mic? Mic number one. Mic number one. So that would be an extension of the procedure. Uh, and it wouldn't be covered in a standard arm lift, Emma. So you'd have to uh, clarify whether that was included or not, because the worst thing you want to do is wake up and find that you've still got a bulge over your um, bra. Always got to be a bit careful with those bulges over the bra, because there is always a bit of a bulge over the bra. But um, but if you've got a lot of skin hanging over there, then that might need to be addressed, uh, which you could extend the arm lift and, and address that, but it would be a bigger op. And you fly back on day 10 with compression garments and socks. Well, that's fine, uh, Emma. Um, I mean, an arm lift is quite a big op with a risk of wound healing problems. Hopefully, you'll be all right at 10, day, day 10. And hopefully, they'll look after you and make sure they've looked at you in the in the, in the the um, in the hospital and they've checked your wounds and everything before you fly back. And uh, yeah, hopefully, you'll be fine. Um, but And yeah, just keep moving, keep your arms moving, keep your legs uh, moving and keep everything circulating. And uh, good luck on that one, Emma. But make it clear about the arm lift if you want that bit above your bra sorted. That's not a standard arm lift. That's an extension of an arm lift. Laura, thank you. Can a stomach with loose skin be made flat with lipo? Wow, that's a good question. Laura, thank you. Can I ask if you can give a lipo to a stomach with loose skin to make it flat? You're, hold on a minute. Laura, are you you're in triplicate. Can I ask if a stomach with loose skin can be made flat and tighter with lipo and how I would get a quote with yourselves? Laura, what is, I mean, it's good to get the comments up. I think it is good to keep the numbers up, but I, I but anyway, um, I think the questions are being repeated as it looks as though they've moved up off screen and not being answered. Oh, I see. Have no fear, Laura. I'm, I'm, I'm going through the questions. Yeah. Um, one, I, I, I'm not seeing the latest question, uh, the latest comment. I'm just going through the comments one at a time. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, a tricky one, that one, Laura. You might see, think that it's not tricky. You might think these plastic surgeons know what they're doing and they can do a bit of lipo to the stomach. We often get people saying, oh, I just have a bit of lipo to my stomach. Lipo to the stomach is one of those ones where it's not in, again, disclaimer. Can't be, can I get my disclaimer out? Oh, I'll get my disclaimer out. All right, all right. You want the disclaimer. I understand. Yeah, disclaimer. Okay, this is my opinion, all right? And it's no substitute for an in-person consultation, all right? So, um, but in my opinion, uh, 
tummy touch, uh, sorry, liposuction to the tummy ha is not as good as you might think uh, because it doesn't remove the skin and the skin often doesn't recoil so well. So it's something we'd have to sort of look at in a consultation. Liposuction is good in certain areas, the hips, the flanks, lateral chest wall, outer thighs. Um, it's good in certain areas, but the stomach, the sort of front of the abdomen, it's it's good, as, as we said earlier, the upper abdomen after a tummy tuck, but it doesn't remove skin. And people need a tummy tuck often because of weight loss, because when they put on weight, their skin stretches. And when they lose weight, the skin remains. And when you do liposuction, it's sort of like the same as losing weight. You know, you lose the fat, but you still have the skin there. And so um, that is the worry about doing that. And that, that's something that we'd have to talk to you about. And I'm not that keen on liposuction to the stomach. I think the best way to treat the stomach is with a tummy tuck. If you haven't got much, you can think about a mini tummy tuck or a full tummy tuck. I appreciate people say a tummy tuck you must be mad. I don't want a tummy tuck. Just got a little bit of fullness there. I'm like, well, so, um, and I do always say there are the assisted forms of liposuction, stuff like Vasa, Smart Lipo. Um, what's that other one? Someone was talking about the other day. Anyway, there's all sorts of ones which got radio frequency or laser or uh, ultrasound, the Vasa's ultrasound, some kind of, assistance to the liposuction which sort of heats the fat before you suck it out and they say that they cause some skin retraction so they might help uh, with uh, the tummy if you want to have liposuction to the tummy but for me liposuction to the central abdomen is not as good as you might think and if uh, Laura if you want to consult if you want to know what the uh, get a quote with yourselves give me your email address and I will send you a quote with ourselves and I'll send you some more information about liposuction and what could be achieved. You'd be welcome to come for a consultation. We can talk about it. But as I say, stomach liposuction, something we've got to be talk about. Got to be a bit, you know, a bit aware of the what could be achieved and what you're trying to achieve. Because if you want your whole con stomach contoured, it sometimes is not as effective as you might think in your head. Think, get rid of all that fat. You want that skin to be tight as well. Right, what we got going on? Would it would it affect my breast lift and implants I had done in Feb? No, Emma. No, I think Emma's talking about the extended arm lift. So no, it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't. It will just affect the bit that's a, the bit. I know what you're talking about. The bit of Emma's got that bit of fat. Do you remember, folks? Emma from earlier. She's got that bit of fat above the bra. So um, no, I don't think it will affect that. It, that's fine. You can have that done, even though you've had a breast lift and implants. Laura, mistyped other comments, lol, so deleted, then reposted, lol, so don't think it's deleted other ones on Facebook, didn't remove them. Laura, don't apologize. Great to have a bit of um, comment action. Triplicate it, if you like. Triple it. Triplicate's probably not an appropriate word. Emma, I had my surgery in Feb. Breast lift with implants and TT with Mr. and Miss, ah, Miss MR. Okay, muscle repair. Not having that one again. Doesn't look like Mr. though. And Mr. And Hernia, Mr. And Hernia Repair. That's a good name, isn't it? Famous surgeon. Uh, and abdominal sculpting and vasolipo and B. Oh my lord! And BBL. Oh lord! In Turkey, I have already fly back. Oh, there you go. How'd it go? Look at that. She, guys, Emma has surgery in February. Breast lift with implants, tummy tuck with Mr. And Hernia Repair, and abdominal sculpting and vasolipo and BBL, oh my lord, in Turkey. And I've already, well, Emma, that is legendary amount of surgery you've had there. And I bet you look like a new person. And well done you. And wow. 
three letters well. Hope it all went well. Fantastic. Um, have you dealt with a failed muscle repair? How many layers of sutures do you do? Uh, have I dealt with a failed muscle repair? Um, I have seen people who have had failed muscle repairs. I haven't had personally. Can't touch wood. Um, touch wood. Or is that wood over there? That's wood. Touch wood. Touch wood. Any failed muscle repairs, um, but it can happen. Um, so. Personally, I do one layer of sutures for the muscle repair specifically, this is. Um, and you either use a long-term dissolving suture or a permanent suture. And you use what's called a loop suture. Oh, I don't, how much do I need? I probably don't need to get into this too much. But I use a loop. So most people you do it the similar way. So you put a loop suture. So you loop it at the top. So there's no knot at the top. And there's just one knot at the bottom, which is a big knot. It's a big, very robust knot. Which we then use techniques to make the knot lie flat so it doesn't sort of stick up but um but it's usually a pretty robust suture but it's just one layer of sutures you don't do or i don't do multiple layers of sutures um and it's a tricky the, the problem with a failed muscle repair is a tricky problem to correct because uh, i saw someone the other day who had wanted it corrected not my patient other patient but um but it's a tricky problem and uh, because it is very hard, it's a very, well, it's not very, but it's easy to do a muscle repair when you're doing a tummy tuck because everything's open, the muscle's just there, it's really easy to fix it all up. Once you've had a tummy tuck and you've recited the belly button, it's really hard to get above the belly button again, which is, you know, the muscle goes all the way up to the uh, rec, uh, to the zipper sternum, to the sort of rib cage. So it's really hard to re-repair the muscle once you've had a tummy tuck. And um, so I have repaired muscles on people who haven't had a tummy tuck. And again, that's how I know it's really hard. So you have to think what you can do with the belly button. You often do something called floating the belly button, which means cutting, dissect, taking the belly button stalk off, which is okay if someone's never had a tummy tuck, but if you've had a tummy tuck and you try and float the belly button, it'll probably die. So that probably wouldn't be good. Probably the best way, certainly the easiest way to deal with a muscle repair in someone who's had a tummy tuck would be to, to uh, access it directly. Go get up which is making incision here uh, over the over the muscle itself. But that then looks like you've had abdominal surgery or you've had abdominal surgery. So that may not be great. And you may think, flipping it, you're not putting a big scar on my tummy, but it's a difficult problem to um, correct. We well don't know if you mentioned slipping rib as my battery died. Sarah, I haven't mentioned slipping rib. I haven't got to it yet. I'm just going through the, uh, can I ask where you went, please? When? Oh, I went to touch wood. Is that it? Thank you. We'll send a email with email. Yes. In your opinion, <laughs> can I not do my disclaimer again? Okay. Why would I'm going to, I will do the slipping rib. I'll do the slipping rib after this because I feel bad about the slipping rib because, um, um, because uh, Sarah's waiting for the slipping rib. In your opinion, why would you stomach, you, why would your stomach bloat slash swell at 12 weeks post tummy tucks with MMR, muscle repair, okay, and liposuction, if you're quite flat from 3 to 11 weeks. Um, well, a couple of reasons. Number one reason is that often what happens is when you first have it done, you wear your binder religiously, you don't really do much, everything can be quite tight, and uh, sometimes this isn't common, so sometimes it's often quite swollen to start with, and then it 
gets uh, less swollen later. But if you're asking what's, if this has happened, so you're okay to start with and then 12 weeks um, you've got a, a bit of a swelling, then what that might be is that um, you've started to be a bit more active. So often at 12 weeks, um, you might, we might say, look, get into life a bit more, get back to work, get back into doing things, maybe the gym and stuff like that, and that might make, might make it swell a bit. Maybe you're wearing a binder less. Uh, also, you, there's seroma, you know, fluid. You could have get, get seroma fluid uh, collecting, which might be a, a cause for swelling. Uh, it's nothing particularly to worry about. I would say just where you, if you are swelling, it might be that you're doing a bit more, which is good because it's good to do stuff. So don't really, you know, you don't want to be bed bound or anything, but just be aware that maybe you need to um, take it a bit easy. Uh, maybe go back to wearing the bind or some kind of support. Uh, and go see your surgeon, you know, go see your surgeon will be the best thing. But um, it's nothing particularly to worry about. Um, and it's, and the other thing I'd say is a tummy tuck is a big operation and it takes ages for things to settle. And 12 weeks is still relatively early days. You know, it takes many months for everything to properly settle. So you can get niggles and you can get issues and problems months after a um, tummy tuck. But I won't be particularly worried about it. Sissy says, hi. Oh, sorry. I'm going to go straight to the slipped rib now because I feel better. And I'm going to talk about the Madonna lift and Malibu lift. Oh, my God. In a minute. Um, so slipped rib. Come on, Sarah. Where's the slipped rib? Here we go. Here we go. Right. Will slipping rib syndrome be a problem if I wanted to have a tummy tuck? I was recommended to you to answer a question for me. Have you heard of slipping rib syndrome and do you know if it will be a problem? I wanted to have a tummy tuck. Hope you can help. Yes, I can help, Sarah. It is fine. Um, slipping rib syndrome. Haven't heard of it. I've Googled it. Full disclosure. Sorry, I haven't heard of it. Um, but it's a, a, a laxity between the lower so-called floating ribs. So some of your ribs are attached to your breastbone. The last four ribs are not there. They're, um, they're floating, so they're attached, obviously, to your spine, but they're not attached to anything at the front. Uh, that, those are ribs 8 to 12. And they can be a, they can, uh, be la there can be a laxity there, and that can cause pain uh, in your abdomen or your, in your sort of lower chest, uh, which is what slipping rib syndrome is. And uh, there's absolutely no problem. If, well, disclaimer, this is my... my um, can't go back to my thing. This is my opinion, and you really need to talk to your surgeon. Sarah, I wouldn't really take my word for it, but if you came to see me, I would say to you, there's actually no problem with having a tummy tuck. A tummy tuck involves the skin and the fat of the lower abdomen. Um, you do go up to the rib, uh, zipper sternum, and you do go up to that area, but you don't go anywhere near the ribs. The ribs are deeper. The ribs are away from where you are, so you don't actually sort of touch uh, ribs. Um, the only thing I would say to you is that it can... It, obviously, a tummy tuck is a big operation and it can give you pain and it can be uncomfortable. And if you've already got pain from your ribs and if your ribs hurt and you've got this discomfort with the way your ribs move, you're going to be bent double. It's going to be uncomfortable after surgery. So it might be even more uncomfortable because you've already got this pain in your ribs. And so it might make your post-operative recovery a bit more difficult. So I wouldn't say it's a contraindication to surgery. From a surgical point of view, the surgery will be done the same um, and it'll be fine to have the surgery but it might make it a bit more uncomfortable uh, post-optively uh, because you've already got this discomfort and this um, problem with the, the, the um, laxity of the ligaments in your ribs. So it could potentially make your uh, pain from that worse. So that's something for you to be aware of to decide, mm, is it worth uh, having? If you have got a doctor looking after your ribs 
then I would say to you, you know, maybe get, ask your plastic surgeon to liaise with them, or you could liaise with them and say, I'm thinking of having a tummy tuck, what do you think, sort of thing. So um, I hope that was worth the wait, um, Sarah. Um, so Sherilyn, Sherilyn Sylvester, that is a, you know, star name. Can you please tell me if you've heard of a Madonna lift and a Malibu lift? Yes, I can, Sherilyn. No, I haven't heard of it. <laughs> Madonna lift. This is why I need an assistant. I need an assistant to be Googling Madonna lifts and Malibu lifts live and then feeding me the answers. No. Can you explain what it is, Sherilyn, or give me a clue? Sorry, Sherilyn. Um, I can have a look and talk about it next week if you want, but uh, if it is a thing, but I don't know what it is. Sorry. Lynn says, hi. That's the sort of comment we want. Hi. Emma, thank you, inbox you PLC. Oh, thank you, will inbox you pick. Okay, good. Do you want me to have a look at it now or or, or later? If you want me to have a look at it now, let me know and I'll open it. Because I can get it on screen, Emma. But you might skip a bit. No. It's fine. Victoria, mine has failed. It went hours after surgery. Now six months post-op, I need to look at options to repair again. Victoria, that is a really tricky, tricky, tricky problem. Because if you've had a full tummy tuck where they made a cut around your belly button, it's going to be really hard to get above that. Uh, really hard to get above that belly button. Really hard. Would, I don't want to sugarcoat it, Victoria. Tricky problem. The question I'd ask you is how much does it bother you? Now I know you, you'd probably say I've had the surgery. I paid thousands of pounds. I want it right, and that's fine. But it is a difficult problem to prepare, and it depends on how much it's bothered you as to whether you want to go down that route because it is very hard to uh to repair a, a muscle to re-repair a muscle repair once you've had a tummy tuck uh sarah didn't want to miss it it was just a minute ago so i don't know when that comment went on the face oh sherilyn the madonna and all that stuff i don't really do faces sherilyn um so i don't maybe i'm not up to speed with malibus and madonna lifts um if so can you please explain it thank you yeah sorry sherilyn I'm not a face. I'm not a face guy. I'm more of a breast, breast slash body is my thing. I mean, I'll have a bash at face questions, but um, I have a rib out and can see through the skin. Oof. Yeah. Well, as I say, the tummy tuck should be fine, Sarah, but it might make it a bit more uncomfortable. Jan says, "Sorry, another question." Sorry, you're kidding me. It's what we live for, Jan. Oh, where is it? Oh, Sarah. Ah, oh, great. I'm hoping the final result will lessen the pain and must repair to help also. Maybe it will lessen the pain, Sarah. Uh, lessen the pain, Sarah. But I couldn't. Well, it's not me doing the surgery, but it would be hard to guarantee that it'll lessen the pain. Could it worsen the pain? Who knows? It could because, you know, certainly early on, you'd be a bit uncomfortable as well as your slipping rib syndrome. Sherilyn Sylvester says facelift. Yeah, I'm not, not big on. I don't do facelifts, Sherilyn. Sorry. Um, Kuram does. We should get Kuram on this, shouldn't we? Split screen. Um, Yan, how do you know if you have visceral fat? That's a great question, Yan. Nine, I weigh nine stone, 10 pounds after five stone loss, and I do daily cardio five times per week, and I'm a Slimming World Target member, so my diet is really healthy too. That is a brilliant question, Yan. Brilliant. Because this is a problem. Visceral fat is a problem. When you do a tummy tuck, you take the fat, which is outside the abdominal wall. You take the skin and fat on the outside of the abdominal wall. You don't take any of the fat inside the abdomen. Inside the abdomen, around the stomach, there is visceral fat. And so some people have a round 
uh, 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 torso, round abdomen, and you take the skin and fat, you do a tummy tuck, you take the skin and they still look quite sort of barrel shaped. And sometimes you can tell clinically, uh, you can get a, an idea of where the abdominal wall is and what taking that skin out of the abdominal, or, or, you know, superficial to the abdominal wall will do. Uh, obviously you can do scans to tell, uh, which is a bit extreme if you're just having a tummy tuck, but it's something to be aware of and it's something for us as surgeons to look at. And sometimes you do see people and think, hold on a minute, you have got quite a, a round abdominal wall. So I can take that skin superficial to the abdominal wall, but you might still have a rounded appearance. So it's something that clinically we would look at as surgeons and it is something that you need to be aware of that not many people, not many patients think about, but it's something very, very important to be aware of. And it's an excellent question, Jan. So well done you for coming up with that question. So visceral fat, and it's often people who've had a lot of weight, who've lost that weight, but have held on to some visceral fat and have got some, um, got formless intra-abdominally. Emma, yeah, it's fine. It's all over Facebook and Instagram already. Oh, the photos, I think that is, right. Um, Stevie, Stevie Saunders, how you diddling? Right, Stevie's in the house. She's got a big one. Oh, I meant that's a question, obviously. Obviously, what else? Now I'm in the gap, I'm trying to put my head in the gap between the question. I've got just enough room between the question. That's a perfectly sized question stevie well done because my head is fitting between the question and the top of the screen it is for me anyway i'm assuming it's the same for everybody question about tummy tuck i oh sorry it's gone i have a cesarean scar which is fab sony and toady tidy no complaints at all tidy no complaints at all however i had a ruptured ectopic in 2004 which isn't a nice scar and dips in to give the look of a second lower belly button without a belly button, if that makes sense. It does make sense. How would a tummy tuck help my vertical ectopic scar? So your uh, you uh, vertical ectopic scar, I'm assuming it's a vertical scar which travels from the belly button down. And a belly, uh, tummy tuck, Stevie, I don't know if you've got enough for a tummy tuck, um, to be honest with you. Uh, but if you have got enough for a tummy, if you've got enough excess, you have to have enough excess to actually be able to do a tummy tuck. You can't do a tummy tuck on everyone. You have to have quite a lot of excess skin and fat there, Stevie. But it, let's just say you did, then your belly button, uh, sorry, then your ectopic scar would go. It would disappear. It would go in the in the, uh, in the in the specimen because all the skin from the belly button down to your cesarean scar gets removed. So your ectopic scar is in that that piece of skin. So that gets gets removed, uh, and it's often a problem. You've, 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 sounds like you've got a small scar because it just looks like another belly button. The worst is when someone has a big vertical scar that goes all the way from their belly button down and that's dented in and then they have excess fullness on either side. So it can look like a buttocks. It can look like your buttocks on, on the front. It can look really bad. And a tummy tuck can fix that problem because it gets rid of all that skin and it gets rid of that scar. So it will get rid of that scar and give you a fresh scar in the same place where your cesarean scar is but longer. And hopefully it will heal as well as your cesarean scar they often do, and you'll be uh, fine. So yeah, tummy tuck will be a good way of getting rid of that uh, vertical ectopic scar. Victoria, it was only, the only reason I had the tummy tuck. Oh, and I have other issues caused by the weak core, so can't leave it as is. We'll try and see an ab wall reconstruction plastic surgeon for opinion too. Yeah, Victoria. Now the problem is in this area, Victoria, is that in in terms of abdominal wall reconstruction. Then you're getting into general surgeons. So general surgeons are a real specialist of abdominal wall reconstruction. 
So general surgeons who do bowel surgery, who treat hernias and treat problems like this, are real specialists. So if you have real problems with hernias and problems with people with abdominal wall, then they, uh, the general surgeons are really good at fixing ab abdominal walls. Uh, but you've said abdominal wall reconstruction plastic surgeon. I don't really know anyone who's an abdominal wall reconstruction plastic surgeon, but we often work in combination with the general surgeons. So if we have problems with abdominal walls, we will go to a general surgeon to ask for help. Because what, in my experience, when you get the general surgeons involved, they would say, think about just being a straight line cut straight down. And this is often above the belly button, you know, so a straight line, like a laparotomy, almost like a big cut in order to fix that muscle. Surgically, that's the easiest access and the best way to access that muscle and fix it but cosmetically it's not great so it's a balance so you probably do need a plastic surgeon slash and a, maybe an opinion from a general surgeon who you know would be helpful for the abdominal wall reconstruction but it's a real nightmare victoria i feel your pain if that was the only reason you had the tummy tuck and it's gone um you know that's that's really um that's really hard pill bitter pill to swallow so i'm sorry to hear that i'm sorry i haven't got any easy answers uh Sherilyn Sylvester it is a great name, Sherilyn, and um, I think you should be proud of it. As is Stevie Saunders. Stevie Saunders is another great name. We've got some great names tonight. Um, not to take anything from you, Victoria Brockwell. All great names, all of them. You want to single anyone out? So, um, Stevie, I mean the indentation especially. Yeah, the indentation will go, will go Stevie, because it, the scar will go, because all the skin will go. So the, the scar will go, the indentation will go, everything will go. It's often a problem with scars in that area. Like appendix scars, they can get dented in because uh, the because the scar tissue scars down to the abdominal wall and you get this sort of dent and a pucker and it doesn't look great. Stevie says, hi. Yeah, hi. Good to see you, Stevie. Long time no see. Any problems, you know where I am. Uh, I am well. Thank you, Stevie. Looking a bit rough, apparently, according to some of the viewers. But um, I'm just, you know... That's what happens when you go with a beard. Uh, it's a big vertical all the way from my belly button past my pubic line and feel like small pouches either side. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, that, that would all go, um, Stevie. If it goes past your pubic line, so if it goes, does it go below your cesarean? I doubt it goes below your cesarean. But if it does go below your cesarean, that bit that's below your cesarean might still be there. But I'm assuming your puckering is probably higher up, uh, closer to your belly button. So if you were a candidate for a full tummy tuck, Stevie, which I don't know if you are, to be honest, because you need to have quite a lot of spare skin in that area to be a candidate. But if you were, then uh, all the skin from your belly button down to your um, cesarean skull would, would be removed. And the skin from your belly button to your rib cage would then be stretched down to where your cesarean skull is. If that makes sense. So that will make all the skin probably easier to say in photos. Uh, it's for an infection after the surgery, yeah, off in the way. Uh, if you get an infection, it gets dented in. Yes, it does. Uh, right, we're up to date. Okay, good. Um, so we're back to the, we've done slipping rib for Sarah. So here we go. Here's a question here. Sorry, I'm wobbling. Uh, apologize for the wobble. I am due to have Botox next week, but having eye bags done in July, should she cancel Botox? Will it jeopardize everyone? That's for a, yeah, so I'm in, I'm in now. I'm in. That's a question from a group or something. And I'm, I'm now getting questions from groups, which is, you know, 
if you've got a question, love it. So thank you for that. That's I'm very pleased. Now these next two, which is very pleasing to hear. Um, sort of publicity we need. Um, so uh, that's fine. So Botox next week, but having eye bags done in July, absolutely fine. Uh, one of the things about Botox, one of the great things from a surgical, well, not from a surgical, from a sort of doctor's point of view, I don't do Botox, but um, the good thing from a doctor's point of view is that you have to repeat it because it's sort of repeat business because it wears off. So um, it's, uh, it's a, as you probably know, it's a muscle relaxant and it'll wear off. But it's absolutely fine to have Botox uh, done and then to have eye bags done. People who do the eye bags, your surgeon doing the eye bags will probably do Botox and they often do, because I don't do eye bags. I don't do Botox or eye bags, this disclaimer. Kurum does here um, and the other surgeons here do, some of them do, do Botox uh, and eye bags. So, um, but uh, I was going to say, oh yeah, so the surgeons who do the eye bags will often do both Botox and will often do Botox uh, around the same time as having your eye bags done. So it's absolutely no problem at all, um, and it's fine. The only thing I would say, well, having it done now and then July, July, June, July's next month, isn't it? I mean, if you're spending money on Botox, when you have your eye bags done, you're going to be a bit bruised and swollen and things. So that's the only thing I think from a sort of financial point of view, you might think, is it worth having Botox now? Would it be better to have it done once you're healed from your eye bags? Because then you can sort of appreciate it more, if you see what I mean. So some of the time when your Botox will be working, you're going to be bruised and swollen from your eye bag surgery. So you might want to delay the surgery, but you might not. You might say, look, I want it done now. So yeah, it won't jeopardize anything, which is the question. It will not jeopardize anything. I'll be fine to have it done at the same time. Oh, uh, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Yes, it does. Emma, can you index the facial surgeon's names, please? Facial surgeons here is Kuram Khan. Kuram Khan's the main one but I will inbox you. Stevie's off. Thanks for coming, Stevie. Nice to see you. Have a nice evening. Uh, Victoria says, thanks for answering my question. Victoria, I feel, oh, have I put that on the screen? I feel bad for you, and I hope that you can get things sorted out, and I am sorry that that has happened to you because that's a, uh, a real blow to have that happen. Um, so last question here, which is probably just as well because everyone seems to be going home. Um, so, well, they probably are at home. Everyone is at home already, so they're just... Yeah. Um, so here we go. Uh, uh, what uh, wants tummy tuck but has a varicose vein on her leg? One highly regarded plastic surgeon is insisting it's sorted prior to surgery. Another is saying it doesn't need doing. What are the complications that could arise from oops from going ahead? So yeah. So this patient's got a tummy. Uh, sorry, got a varicose veins and is thinking of having a tummy tuck and saying, do I need to have my varicose veins sorted again? Probably need my disclaimer thing here. A disclaimer, this is just my view, and this is one of the fantastic things about plastic surgery. You'll say one surgeon will tell you, for goodness sake, you've got to get your veins sorted first. Another plastic surgeon will say, what are you talking about? It's absolutely fine, no problem at all. Then not, no one's right, no one's wrong in a lot of this stuff. And I understand from a patient's point of view, you might think, how can that be? Surely someone knows what the right answer is. Someone knows, you know, there isn't a right answer. I can tell you my view, and my view is that I wouldn't have a problem with operating on someone with varicose veins, doing a tummy tuck. I don't check the varicose veins for people who I'm doing a tummy tuck on, and I don't sort of refuse to do it on people who have got varicose veins. But this plastic surgeon obviously does, and that's fine. And I think, and you'd have to ask him really, I think the reason he's saying that is because of DVT. And DVT is a real problem and is not to be um, 
disregarded. It's a big problem with any surgery, particularly tummy tuck. DVD is a deep vein thrombosis. It's a clot in your leg which can fly off into your lungs and it can be really, really serious. And that is why one of the reasons why going abroad for surgery is not great because uh, when you're immobile, when you're not moving, you're increasing your risk of getting clots in your legs, especially if you've got your legs bent and you're in a narrow plane. Um, so you have to keep everything moving. Now, having said that, so you want to reduce your risks of DVT. Now, varicose veins are swollen superficial veins. DVT is deep vein. It's a deep vein inside the muscle. Varicose veins are superficial veins. And you can get clots in those superficial veins because they're big lakes of blood which could clot. But it's less likely than a deep vein thrombosis. There is a slight increased risk of DVT with a varicose vein, but it's not huge because, as I say, varicose veins are superficial veins. So you can get clots in the superficial veins, but those clots don't tend to go into your lungs, which is the thing. So DVT is bad, a swollen leg. A DVT gets, is, forms a swollen leg. So that's bad and uncomfortable or what have you. But the really serious thing is when it flies off into your lungs and forms a PE. That's the really bad thing. So a superficial clot in, is unlikely to fly off into your lungs. So it's not a massive risk factor for DVT, but this plastic surgeon is obviously feels that it is and isn't happy doing the surgery, and that's perfectly reasonable. What I would say is that uh, DVT is a risk, and there are things that we do to reduce that risk. We use Flotron boots, which are things that go around your calves and continuously compress them. We use stockings. Uh, we use heparin. And the most important thing, in my view, is mobilization. So when you're not doing anything, when you're lying in bed after your tummy tuck, I'll say to you, move your legs, move your ankles, move your hips, take deep breaths, cough if you need to, keep everything circulating. And the best thing to stop a DVT is to get up and walking. So that's what I think we shouldn't rely too much on these other things, although we do use those other things. You need to keep your walking, keep moving. If you are going to have surgery abroad, keep moving when you're on the airplane, keep your ankles moving, keep your legs moving. You know, By all means, wear those TED stockings and what have you. Um, but keep everything circulating, keep it all moving to reduce your risks of DVT. I think the surgeon is worried. I'm assuming the surgeon is worried about DVT, which is why they're saying that you should have your varicose veins sorted. I don't tell that to people. That doesn't, you know, so, but, you know, obviously this surgeon does. So I would say go with the surgeon that, you know, go with the, the surgeon that you're comfortable with um, and neither are wrong. Um, there's, there's, um, is right and wrong. No, there's different ways of doing things. So here we go. We've got some questions. Come. Oh, no, we've got some excellent Q&A. That's what I'm talking about. Jan, excellent Q&A. Did you hear that, people? Thank you. Excellent Q&A. As usual, top surgeon. Are you listening, everyone? Top surgeon. That's me. She's talking about, guys, in case you're wondering. Thanks for answering all my questions. You're a star, is it, or a firework? Thumbs up. Jan, I couldn't have done that better if if I hadn't said it myself. Thank you, Jan. You're, I don't deserve that. That's very kind, humbled by that. Thank you. Just keep that up for a while. Just make sure you can all see that. Uh, how can I get facelift questions answered? Oh, can you have your facelift surgeons do a live video? Whew, yes, I should, shouldn't I? I'll get Kurum to do it. Yeah. Sherilyn. Sherilyn, I will ask Kurum to do a live video next week. Shall I ask him to join me next week and talk about the Madonna? What was it? The Madonna and the Malibu, was it lifts? Um, shall I see if he'll join me? We'll do a, you know, we'll do a split screen. Um, I'll ask him, Sherilyn. Um, and we do face, so next week we'll be talking about facelifts. 
we'll be talking about the Madonna facelift, the Malibu facelift, and other questions you might have. And I'll have a special guest, Karam Khan, um, joining me um, next week. I'll check that with him, but hopefully that'll be okay with him. Emma, anchor scars, is there a vision for it? As the T site seems to be thin and feel thinness of skin around it, often the T site is a problem on an anchor scar, Emma. Are you talking about breast? Actually, it doesn't matter where you're talking about. Um, uh, tea, anytime there's a T, one scar meets another, there's a, prob there's a potential problem with wound healing there, and that can make the scar be a bit thinner, and you can get wound healing and uh, delayed healing in those areas. So is there a revision? Yeah, there's a revision for it. You can cut it out and stitch it up. And hopefully if you cut it out and stitch if you leave it, you know, a minimum of three months, ideally six to 12 months for that skin and the scar to all soften and get as good as it's going to get. Well, first of all, it might be okay, to be honest with you. But if it really isn't okay and you're really unhappy with it, you can just cut it out and stitch it up. And hopefully when you cut it out and stitch it up, it won't be as much under as much tension as it was first time. Because obviously first time you were having whatever it was, your fleur de tummy tuck or your mastopexy or whatever the reason for your T-scar was. So it was under a lot of tension first time. So if you revise it six to 12 months later, it's not under so much tension. So hopefully it would heal up better. So it'd be not unreasonable to, to revise a T-scar if you're unhappy with it. Jan's back in with another lovely comment. Look at that, Jan. Um, Sherilyn Sylvester, the famous Sherilyn Sylvester, all about facelift surgeries. Thank you. Um, sorry, Sherilyn. I, I do know about facelifts, Sherilyn. I am a plastic surgeon. I can answer questions about things, but not Malibu or Madonna ones. So maybe I don't know that much. Adam. Yeah, breasts, says Emma. Yeah, right on. Um, so that is, that's me. I'm out. I'm out of questions. Disclaimer, that's me done. I will ask Kuram Khan to come on next week to ask to answer facelift questions. So if you have any facelift questions, Sherilyn, we've got your Malibu slash Madonna one. Uh, but if you have anything else that you want to ask, then please post the, them to us or get, call, join me next week. Um, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Emma's in. Emma's in. Always rely on Emma to come in with one. Could you implants I already have in out and put back in under muscle as I want under muscle? But was told didn't have enough padding over ribs, but didn't understand. No, I don't understand that. that. Either, Emma. Yeah, I think what you're saying is, can you have muscles that are, sorry, implants that are over the muscle taken out and put under the muscle? Yes, you can, Emma. You can have the muscle, there's the implants change, you can change the plane of the implants. So implants basically go over the muscle or under the muscle. And if they're one way, you can put them the other way. It's a bit of a palaver, to be honest with you. So if you're, so you're saying them the, you're on top of the muscle and you want them under the muscle, that's fine. You just have to close up the pocket that they were in to make sure they don't flip back into that pocket. Uh, so they have to close up the, the, the subglandular pocket and then put them underneath the muscle. Um, but if you didn't have enough padding over the ribs, so if you haven't got enough padding over the ribs, i.e. you're very slim, that would be an issue. That would be a reason to put them underneath the muscle. Um, so I'm not quite sure what, I don't understand that either, Emma. If you haven't got enough uh, padding, then you that's when you put them under the muscle. So, um, but yeah, you can definitely change the plane of the implants. If they're on top of the muscle, absolutely Fine, you can change them to put them under the muscle. There are pros and cons, a bit like the thigh lift, pros and cons of putting them under or over. So you have to be aware, when you do put them under, more risk of them sitting high or wide and the risk of animation deformities. But if you can see the implants, if you've got rippling or you can see the edges of the implants, then that's a good reason to put them underneath the muscle. Um, so yeah, pros and cons, but certainly it'd be possible to change playing. Tie, yeah, tie, tie yourself, Sherilyn. Thank you for all your comments. Uh, I wanted under, but he said I didn't have enough to do it, have him boxed. Okay, Emma, 
thank you for the inboxing. I will in, in, I will uh, um, I will check my inbox presently, and I will get back to you if there's something that me requires getting back to. But uh, yeah, it's reasonable to have them under. I think pretty much anyone can have them under. Um, not everybody can have them over. So, uh, but anyone can have them under. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, but it's to say there's risk of putting them under. So he might have thought there's risk of putting them under. So he might have thought it's better to put them over. That might have been the reasoning. But anyway, I hope I can help and I'll look in my inbox and uh, see if I need to get, uh, if you want me to reply, I will. And thank you very much, Emma, Sherilyn, and everybody else who's been involved in tonight's broadcast. And um, oh, hold on a minute. Yan, cup of tea, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you. Goodbye, Yan. Thanks for coming in. Yan, you've had some lovely comments. I'm going to put them on my website. Um, he said I had a lot of breast tissue. That would be a reason for them over. If you've got a lot of breast tissue, you'd probably not want to take the risks of putting them under. Um, so you would put them over if you've got a lot of breast tissue. So why do you want them under now? Have you got a problem? Is that what? So if you've got a lot of breast tissue, then I agree. You'd probably put them over the muscle because they're less, it's less painful, bleeds less, less likely to sit wide or wide or high or um, animation deformity. So there's a lot of good things about putting them over. So have you got a problem? Have you got rippling or can you see the implants? Is that why you want them changed? Anyway, I'll have a look at the main box. I'll have a look at my inbox. We don't have to have a... You can come on if you want. We'll do a joint thing. Anyway. Anyway, I'll have a look at my inbox. Well, Oh, here we go. He said... Uh, oh, here we go. Sorry. They're okay, but I want them higher. Right. They're 500cc. No look natural. They, they don't look natural. You want them higher. Hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say putting them under. I mean, they can sit high when you put them under the muscle, but you want them with the breast, really. I'll have a look, Emma. I'll have a look. If you send me photos, I'll have a look. Because you don't want the implants high without the breasts being high. You want the implants with the breasts. So if you're saying you want them higher, you want the whole lot higher. You want your breasts and your implants higher. Because if your implants are just high and your breasts are still where they are, then you get an elongated look. This might be more tricky than it first appears, Emma. Um, but anyway, hmm. okay, I'll have a look because you have to, it's all about expectation because you're probably looking at yourself out of a bra and you want the implants to sit with the breast. And if your breast is sitting sort of lower, then that's where you want your implants to be. You don't want to just shove your implants up high without moving your breast. Anyway, I'll have a look. Thank you all for a lovely evening, and I'm going to go home and have a cup of tea now. Oh, wait a minute. They're sat at 20 centimeters. What are your nipples? If your nipples are at 20 centimeters, Emma, that is good. You wouldn't want your nipples any higher than that. So I'm talking, are you talking about from the sternal notch to your nipple? 20 centimeters, that's, that's pretty high. So you wouldn't want your nipples any higher. So that's a good position for your nipples. If your implants are centered on your nipple, which is where they should be, you wouldn't want your nipple to be higher than that. Oh, sorry, you want your implant to be higher than that. So I think you've got to be careful or think about what you want. So if you want them higher, then you're probably looking at changing the profile of your implant. So you want a higher profile implant. You want your implant to stick out more. So not necessarily putting the implant under the muscle, but maybe you need a higher profile implant. 
you need more projection of your implant to give you more of a shelf in the upper in the upper pole yes and 21 between each other yeah so you don't want your nipples any higher um, but you do want a fuller look by the sounds of it so it's not the position of the nip implant I don't think the implant being on top of the muscle is the problem and I don't think putting the implant under the muscle would solve the problem I think you need a higher projecting implant <clears throat> it's a high profile Motiva silk surface plus implant <clears throat> I don't know the Motiva range uh, off by heart but if they do an extra high profile implant of a similar base width well we have to look at the we won't worry about the base width but um if they do an extra high profile maybe that's what you need to think about uh, emma going to one that sticks out more if you want it to be fuller up here so you need to you know yours is probably a bit fatter and you want it a bit fuller so maybe an extra high profile is something you need to think about rather than changing plane not sure if the plane is the problem here it might be the the shape of the implant although high profile is pretty you know pretty full but they they often do an extra high profile or ultra high profile they often do another one past high profile which might be worth thinking about you have to look at the dimensions of your implant and look for one with more projection possibly but you're already at high profile so it's only going to be marginal you're going to be probably looking at a few millimeters more projection with an extra high profile so i would be like is it worth going through all the risks of changing your implants for just a few millimeters more projection depends on how bad it is at the moment i suppose but uh yeah something to think about so uh they good great in bra just a little lower out yeah that's often the way emma but that's what breasts do they often look good in bras and look you know and i know you're saying you've had surgery but you know you want them to look natural and natural breasts do move um, so, you know, they look, they don't look as good out of a bra, but you know, they, 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 you want them to move often when people are in a bra and have breasts up here, you don't really want it to look the same when you take your bra off. Well, you're, maybe you do, but you know, that's what breasts do. And it's hard to get them to stay up there. Tricky one, Emma. It's a tricky one, but I don't think changing the plane is going to, is going to be the right thing in from what you've said. I need my disclaimer. Get the disclaimer up no no this is no com no um uh no uh, substitute for an impersonal consultation just my opinion but you know i think you need yeah maybe get an opinion of someone in real life but i think uh sounds like it's going to be a tricky one to make a significant improvement emma if they look good in a bra but just a little lower it out of one it's that might just be what your breasts are naturally doing unless they look odd if they look odd then obviously something needs to be done but if they don't look odd and you just think, oh, I wish they didn't sort of do that, that's gravity, that's tissues, that's not necessarily the implant's fault. The implant's got to sit with your breast and your breast maybe naturally moves, which is what, uh, you know, you know, which is normal. So um, that's a really good one, Emma. Thanks for that. That's a bit of a consultation there. That's good. Thank you. So hope that's all been helpful. Uh, cup of tea is going to be get got on shortly when I get home. Oh. Well, she's inboxed. All right. Thank you, Emma. I will have a look and see if I can give you an opinion on it in real life. And I will check out of here. And I'll see you back next week. And I'll talk to Curran. And uh, can't guarantee it because he might be busy or might not be able to. Oh, here we go. I'll make a consultation. I'm only in Newcastle. There you go, Emma. Uh, yeah, it'd be great to see you. And I'll give you an opinion on your inbox too. 
And thank you all for that lovely bit of interaction this evening. And uh, I'll see you same time, same place. Well, maybe not same place. Not sure about the background of the wobbly thing. But anyway, we'll work it out. Um, who knows where I'll be next week. But 7 o'clock next week, get your questions in, and I'll see you then. Bye. I'm going to end my broadcast now by clicking this button. Has it ended it? <laughs> Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.